Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Omen Cross and welcome to today's heaping helping of Crossing and Waffles. Before we get started, before I do anything, I want to go ahead and introduce my co-host, the chef for today's meal, your spiss and mine, Emma Cross, everybody. Hello everyone and welcome. So today's episode is kind of a sad topic. Really wish I could talk about other things, but this is where the world is right now. Or a fascinating one if you're like me. Uh, fascinating. Yeah, because people being broke and dying is fascinating. No, we are living in history as we speak. Well, living is kind of a stretch, but we're in history. We're in history. So historical things going on around the world as we try to control, contain, and, and fix Everything that's, <laughs> everything that's happened in the last couple of months. Um, most people, well, I, I wouldn't say most anymore. I don't even know what the real number is. They consider a lot of things essential that before they considered useless, skillless, pointless. And now some of the things that they considered multi-million dollar important business is just gone for a while. And it's like everything's flip-flopped. But during this time, there's a lot of people that are going to suffer a lot of ways. And this does actually coincide with uh, new versions of old mistakes that we've made before. Yes, per request from a listener, we're going to be discussing the topic of the next Great Depression. Yeah, because this whole thing right here, there's a lot of people that don't think about this in terms of what it actually is. There's a lot of people that have. But because we were requested to speak about this, as I've said so many times in so many videos to the people that actually listen, if you send me a request, I'm going to do my best to try and format something around said request. If you send me a submission that you'd like on the air, I do my best to read it on air as you send it to me, so long as the content is not something that would get me kicked off of every platform known to man. I don't have to worry about monetization personally because I'm not monetized on YouTube or any other platform. I don't have a Patreon and we don't we don't uh, have any of the things that you would think support most people on YouTube. Uh, but we do have, and we have had over the last uh, few weeks, one, uh, one supporter, one person who uh, sees value left still in, in the people uh, that are making this podcast. And so uh, before I get started on uh, the topic of the next Great Depression, I'd like to send a shout out, a special shout out to uh, Mike and Patty, who are uh, very near and dear to me personally, um, uh, amazing people personally, um, and decided to give us just a little bit to help us through as we've been stuck in on this situation that we've been in, making us unable to look for work, unable to get aid, unable to uh, do a lot of things because of the lockdown, because of everything being closed, and because of uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Um, today's discussion tends to center more around um, numbers that they use, but what it actually means. And the potential for the next Great Depression. It's not set in stone there's still uncertainty yeah don't look panic at, just yet yeah look at this is a picture of uh, a whirlpool that we could get sucked into 
And once you get sucked in to a certain extent, you're never getting out. Because it's just going to drag you further and further and further down in it. Well, we got out of the last one, so... So, there is a potential to sail yourself away from this storm before it gets too crucial and can destroy anything. But we're going to talk about some research that she did uh, for today's episode around different natures of unemployment, what it means, as well as um, things that apply economically and how it has an impact um, on not just a, a national economy, but the way of life of the average person as it continues to fall worse and worse and worse down this particular whirlpool. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I offer you to sit back and relax for a little while. Uh, we're going to talk about, first, uh, what unemployment is defined as by the business that records these things, the Bureau of Labor, Labor Statistics, excuse me. Um... According to them, according to their official documentation, unemployment is defined by three things. It means somebody who's not working at all, even part-time, who's available to work, and who's actively looked for work within the last four recorded weeks. This is the standard that they have for somebody that's unemployed. Because, as we all know, or those of us who have dealt with that system or before... Or if you don't know, there are nine you, different types of unemployment. When you deal with something like unemployment, you have to go in. They're usually going to give you either a paper to fill out or something and say, well, you have to uh, look for work at X amount of jobs every single week and turn this paperwork in, keep records of it that says you did it, because if we ever ask you for it and you don't have it, we cut you off, we make you pay us back for all the unemployment you got. So they've set up the system in a way that they felt like kept people from collecting unemployment that didn't deserve it. But right now, as unemployment stands, if you were classifying it as who hasn't looked for work in the past four weeks, well, that's everybody without a job. Because none of us were allowed to, really. We had to stay at home. Self-isolation. And so... To understand how this applies in the United States, uh, we looked up some facts. Um, as it currently stood, as of uh, an article that was pulled up on March 26th, uh, before this happened, there were about 16 plus million people apply uh, that were working in the leisure and hospitality industry. So you're talking about people that are working in hotels, people that are working in... Um, you know, just basic uh, restaurants, people that are working all over the place. Yeah, we're not talking airlines or, you know, the retail stores. This is just, you know, leisure and hospitality, you know, movie theaters, things for fun. Yeah, because those are all the things we had to shut down during all this. Understandable, fine. You're talking about 16 plus million people. All right. Uh, another factoid that the U.S. workforce, a fifth of it, is currently on some form of lockdown. So that means one out of every five United States citizens is currently on some form of lockdown to where they can't go to their normal form of employment, earn their normal paycheck, collect as they normally do, or in the case of like independent roofing companies, things that aren't majorly necessary, that's all been cut off. So businesses that relied on seasonal work when it wasn't bad weather, businesses that rely on certain times of the year or certain months, 
any of that that's been shut down, you're talking about all those people that are currently sitting at home, eating into their savings, and trying to survive while sitting at home because that's what they were told to do. Now, apparently, around 3 million people, as of the writing of this article, had filed in one way or another within the first week after this happened. So when we did our previous episode on uh, going and getting aid and all this, when I, when I mentioned that it was going to get backlogged, 3 million people is a huge backlog. It may not all be in one system, but that's a lot of people to try and deal with all at once. And because of this, some states have actually shut down filing as well as shortened the amount of weeks you can claim. Yep, they're shutting it down. And, and it sounds like they're also negating uh, people that apply for disability, also some forms of unemployment. You get uh, back paid for as long as it took them to decide that you were actually disabled and, and give you the money that they were supposed to give you when you filed. Um, they're, they're starting to cut lines on that that's, and say, well, due to this, we're not counting those months. That's just, they're not doing that for disability though. They're doing it just for unemployment as far as I'm aware. Yeah. As far as you're aware, but these are the types of things that they're instilling. We're, we're cutting this off corporately and saying basically these two months here don't exist. So then another interesting factoid uh, when we're talking about unemployment is they always like to brag about the percentage. Oh, it's this percent, it's that percent. Um, whether you love Trump or hate Trump. It, it's not important. Whether, you, <laughs> whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, whichever side of the fence you fall on, or if you're forced to uh, straddle the spiked pole in between. These, this, this is just numbers. Uh, <laughs> these are just data numbers. Uh, on average, when you're talking about a natural level of unemployment in an economy, the way we have it projected, we project the number somewhere around about four and a half to five percent. But um, as of the writing of this article and the last piece of data prior to all of this, according to Trump's administration, which who knows if this is real or can be trusted at all, but they were reporting it as a, what, a 3.5%? Yes, the lowest, they said it's the lowest it w had been in 50 years. And that this is before the, uh, the lockdown on society. So, you know, they say three and a half, but uh, now, I'm going to present some examples that help you understand this number that they keep giving you a little better and what it means rather than just as a number. So to truly understand unemployment, you have to understand that there are a bunch of different types. There are at least nine. There are three major ones that are the most important. Yeah, there's some of them specifically that we're going to talk about in terms of this episode because they're most applicable to what we're doing here and now once doors fly open, once people are going back out looking for work, um, because that's what's important to us preventing now from becoming another Great Depression where everybody's broke, money doesn't mean much, nobody can get anything. People are starving in the streets. We don't need it. We don't need it again. No, no, we don't. And there are, there are methods that people can do to balance these things back out. But in order to even consider how you would balance a thing back out, you have to understand it first. 
So to understand the situation we're in, I'd like to talk first about something called cyclical unemployment because this is what happens during um, and this times what... of mass layoffs or um, any time where the workforce is larger than the work necessity. Yeah, and this is one of the big three, the three important ones that you should really know. Yeah, so... This happens when, as, as our current situation, prior to this, there were a lot of people that were laid off. A lot of people told, we're not sure if you're going to have a job when you come back. Because I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if she said it to me, it holds truer than anything I've heard. If you didn't get a contract in writing that says when you come back, you still have a job, they... It's not guaranteed. I mean, hell, the temp company I worked for used to tell me we could we could let you go from any job anywhere we wanted for no reason at all if we chose to just because it's in the contract. So I'm pretty sure most of those places are protected in that way. Uh, for a lot of the people that have been laid off, you don't know if when the doors fly open if you still have your job. You hope you do. You assume you do. But that doesn't mean you do. Because during this period of time, uh, we're all stuck inside... We're all, uh, those of us that have savings are eating into the savings. And that's causing people to go out and buy things to try and survive off their savings. You know, whether you consider that an actual savings account or like people running up their credit cards. Just spending money they don't really have just to try and survive. And that's another problem. And this, this leads to um, people having less money. As people have less money, they buy less and as people buy less, there's less demand for the goods. As there's less demand for the goods, there's less necessity for the people making them. And so as there becomes less necessity, then the businesses decide, well, we're going to cut a few people here. We're going to slice a little cost over here. We're going to do this here. And piece by piece, people keep getting chopped off this block and thrown into this unemployment vortex. And that you know it perpetuates the cycle because as they lay off people... They have less money to spend on goods, so they continue to lay off more people, and it just it can it spirals out of control. Yeah, that's why it's called cyclical unemployment, and this is what led to the last Great Depression we had. Was based there were a lot of good reasons. There, there are a lot but of factors. One of the major factors was less people unemployed, less people with money to spend it. Therefore, less need for goods. Therefore, prices of goods either A, go up, forcing people to pay more for the same thing, or B, uh, less need for the good overall, meaning whoever's making the goods that isn't needed anymore, they're added to the pile of unessential people. And so now this pile keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, meaning there's more people with less money to spend, less goods being bought, and less need for employees. And so... This is where we're at now. We've all been stuck inside. People bought what they needed to survive. People have been living off their savings. But we've still got instances around the nation of the argument over who gets what during this time. There are both sides of every coin right now. You've got... Uh, uh, landlords. Uh, yeah, landlords that own entire apartment complexes that have said that their tenants don't have to pay for this month because they understand, but they've also got smaller smaller forms of landholder that um, that's their only source of income is the money that they make off of, off of the apartment buildings. And so 
Uh, these people uh, need to make their own money, so to try and protect themselves, they're still trying to collect rent from the tenant, but the tenant can't leave to go make money to pay the rent. So then the tenants band together and say, well, we're none of us paying rent because none of us can go out and make money. And then the landlord makes exactly zero money and starts looking to evict these people as soon as the doors fly open for turning against him in the first place. Well, it couldn't even go even further than that. Like, even if your rent is waived, unless you got it, again, unless you got it in paper, they could easily say, oh, it was just frozen for this point of time. Now that the doors are open, you gotta go get work and now you gotta back pay. Yep. What if you can't pay that? Or they can just add it on as an extended cost. Say, you know, until this, this is paid back from then, then you have to pay us an extra 20 bucks a month in rent or, or whatever. You know, there, there is a lot of uncertainty in all aspects. I mean, but there's it's flying around everywhere right now. You got people on both sides. People that are saying no, never mind. People that are saying no, I'm going to evict as soon as this is over. People that are trying to evict right now during a pandemic. This this is far out of control at this moment because we have allowed ourselves as people to forget that if we're all going to survive, then we have to make it work together. You know, I got a friend in Kansas who was telling me that they're trying to uh, pass legislation to protect both the tenant and the landlords during this time of crisis. Yeah, but unfortunately, from what it sounds like, these are two separate bills. And the problem with bills is some of them will get passed and some of them won't. What I foresee happening in this particular thing is that they'll pass the thing protecting the landlords and then not pass the thing protecting the tenants. And so the landlord will still be able to harass the tenant over money's owed and the tenant will have no protection, but the landholder will have protection against tenants refusing to pay, the ones that actually refuse to pay for that period at all. So the unfortunate thing is people are thinking too much about who's getting what and we're not even focused on uh, where we're going from here because we are on the outside of this particular cyclical unemployment whirlpool. Well, we're, we are supposed to be getting a stimulus check. That's a plus. <sighs> stimulus check. Yeah, because, you know, the, the corporations and all the big names, they got billions, so it would it would only make sense that, you know, each and every American is only worth, what is it, if you don't make much, it's like 1200 bucks that we're worth individually, but, you know, a big corporation is worth billions of dollars, even though they already have billions of dollars, because, you know, they're, they're better than us. Corporations are people, but they're people better than the rest of us. <laughs> Because, you know, their, their corporate stimulus package, if you viewed a corporation as a person, because that's what they told us to do, corporations are people. So if you viewed a corporation as a person, this is a, a person that got paid a stimulus package of several billion dollars, and you are a person that got paid a stimulus package of $1,200. So it shows the difference in the way they view the people rations versus the way they view people like you and me. But anyway... Let's move on to some more different types of unemployment. You got what they call fractional unemployment, which is people who leave their old job and haven't found a new one right away, which a lot of people in this may fall into if they don't have a job to fall back on immediately. Maybe you worked for a small construction company and then you were just one of the grunts up there helping them build houses and then they decided that they didn't need as many people when you came back, and so you don't have a job anymore. You'd fall into that fractional unemployment. And I'll remind, now, 
to be clear, fractional unemployment is actually part of the natural unemployment process. It's it's these the, are things they expect. Yeah, it, yeah. Don't don't freak out about fractional unemployment. It's nothing to be afraid about. Also applies to the guy who says, you know what, my skills are are not being used properly at this job, and leaves to go find another one and doesn't have another one lined up already. And then just doesn't find another one immediately. That's fractional unemployment. As long as it falls within the four-week time yeah, period. Yeah, this is only within four weeks. There's a whole separate category for if you've gone longer than four weeks. Yeah. So then they have what they call structural unemployment, which is just a mismatch of skills. Between and, the and corporation and the employees. This, this is a lot of the legal jargon that corporations use to just fire you into the street. Uh, well... I'm sorry, sir, but we have uh, we have extended our company business policy, and and now we have new ways of handling this. Now your job is automated. Now your job doesn't exist, and uh, now you don't get to work here anymore. Uh, interesting story. Uh, when when the companies changed over for the power plant that my dad used to work at, they actually made him train his replacements. And then paid him a severance package to fire Wow, that's kind of fucked up. Well, thankfully for him, he has high-level computer programming knowledge and, and um, connections with businesses across the world, so he was able to utilize his skills in other places. But well, that's, this, the, that's the best situ yeah, scenario in again, that Again, when you're talking about structural unemployment and a mismatch of skills, he may not have been necessary at that job anymore, but his skills made him qualified to go do a whole bunch of other jobs. So he was able to do that. And that's also... A Sometimes, when you work at a job a long time, you get that job inside. You know it up and down and left and right. You know how to do it. But then when you, when they decide you're not useful to them anymore and they get rid of you, you could do another job, but not nearly as well as you used to do the old job. It also falls under um, people that just... There are some things that people are just not good at. Individuals. You know, there's some people that just aren't good with their hands. There's some people that just shouldn't be behind a microphone. There's some people that uh, just shouldn't drive. There's there's a lot of different types of job and employment out there, and there's just certain people that probably aren't qualified enough to be doing that as a as a long-term method of employment. And so these are all things that fall under that structural unemployment, where either the employee skills don't match the job's requirements or the job does not really have a position anymore for what that employee was doing. Those are both two versions of the same thing. And it's also part of the natural unemployment process. Right, so you're talking, they're expecting all this, the, the structural unemployment and the fractional unemployment to equate to about four and a half or 5% on average. Now they say we were down to about three and a half before this started. Unfortunately, because of this, and the three million people filing for aid, and the bunch of people that are going to be rushing out after every single job that becomes available as soon as they become available when the doors fly back open, um, the amount of people that are currently unemployed is uncalculable personally because they have estimates for how many people are unemployed right now. On the low end, they're saying it's like 6%. No, that's after we get out of summer. Right now, they project to be about 10.5% currently, but... At, towards the end of summer, it could be about 6%, which is a little better. But, but that's also kind of the low end. Yeah. Because 10.5%, if you're using their calculations on what unemployment 
doesn't equate to any of us now because we can't go out and look for work. It's been four well, weeks. Yeah, four weeks. And even if you were out looking for work, most of those places are shut down, can't be contacted, aren't going to deal with you as an applicant because they're trying to deal with their own business problems. Because it's not just the business and leisure that got hit. It's everything. Or business and leisure. Like, like business, uh, hospitality and leisure. Everything's been hit. Entertainment industries. The whole industry's temporarily blown up. You know, you can't even go donate plasma right now to make a you know a quick extra buck. Yeah, when you you're talking about surveys. people like us, homeless people that don't have much, uh, there's certain methods that we use from time to time to try and make a little bit just to eat with, get a little gas with, you know. Um, you know, uh, these are donating plasma, doing surveys. These are all methods that that people like ourselves use to to make money. Um, of course, you have to be healthy enough to donate, which. You know, right now I understand why they'd shut it down. It makes yeah. sense. The thing with the surveys, <laughs> I guess people decided their surveys weren't that important because uh, nobody's buying anything much right now other than essentials to keep them alive. Nobody's into what's hot on the street at the moment because nobody cares. We just want this to be over with. <laughs> that the truth? People around the world just want businesses to open again. I saw a picture of my own hometown, this poor guy moping around the outside of a bar that's been in that town since I was born and probably before that. And, you know, just people are so used to their certain things that they do, and this has completely blown that up for so many people, and they just can't cope. And when the doors fly back open, I know there's going to be a boom. Don't listen to them when they tell you, oh, the economy's doing great a month after the doors fly open because there's going to be a boom. Everybody's going to go out and spend money just because they're happy to be fucking outside again. And I understand we'd all be happy to be more outside than we are at the moment. Speaking, I don't think they're going to all open up immediately because, again, going back to unless you got it in writing, you don't have a guaranteed job and those businesses are going to have to rehire, well, potentially yeah, rehire. Again, we're talking about Every business opens back up, right? Everybody has the chance to go out to eat again, to go to the bar again, to go to the club again, to go to a concert again. Yeah, sure, the economy will boom real great for a month or two. But then once everybody's blown the rest of their savings going out and partying because they're happy to be outside again and because they have to now pay bills again, because just because the rent's forgiven, that doesn't necessarily mean the electric bill is. doesn't necessarily mean the phone bill is. And I know in our case, our phone's cutting off in like three days because we can't get through the aid process ourselves right now. And since in this state, if you manage to get uh, food stamps at least, then uh, the prepaid company will pay for your phone service, at least the basic amount, so that you can still have your phone, at least as an emergency. But we can't get through the process right now, so we can't do any of those things. And that's not just us, that's people nationwide and in a variety of different life situations. Families with kids and uh, struggling in apartments that were struggling before this. You know, it is, it's the guy that lives in an, and has lived in a nice house, but because of this, it eats into his savings and, and he just can't find, un, he can't find employment fast enough and they won't give him unemployment because they say, well, you weren't able to look for this job or oh well your skills are mismatched or the company laid you off they love coming up with excuses not to give you something but for the people that are involved in this it's nothing but a whirlpool it's a vortex 
that they're going to get trapped in and they're going to get pulled further in until they're desperate on the streets. Once you're desperate on the streets, it becomes so hard to pull out of that scenario that it just seems inevitable. Well, you wind up getting, you know, putting into the other categories. Yeah, long, that, that's, you know, long-term unemployment where you go for work for, you know, you're not actively looking in the for, past four weeks, but you have looked within the past year, the past 27 weeks. And, you know, the numbers, you know, eventually that gets discouraging. You lose self-esteem. You don't want to look for a job anymore. Yep. According to the numbers, 38% of people that fall into the long-term unemployment category where they've been looking and they've been recording that they've been looking and they've been trying but still haven't gotten anywhere, uh, 38% lose their self-respect. Uh, 38 or 30% um, get a new job that's worse in every way imaginable, whether it be because companies are cutting back on full-time employment, putting everybody down to part-time, or because this company has no benefits, or because they straight up break the law on you and expect you to put up with it because you're the bottom of the ladder. No matter which of these things you're talking about, it it is considered 30% uh, of people find a new job that was worse than the old one that they had. And 43% of the people that find themselves in long-term unemployment... Give up entirely. Yeah, they, they give up on achieving career goals. They give up on life. They give up on the attempt to achieve anything because they just... And these people are often overlooked by employers because, quite frankly, how are you supposed to know that this person's been looking for who knows how long, years, months? Yeah, most employers don't really ask you anything real during the... The quizzes they give you if they call you to that interview and most of the questions they do ask you are basically will you bow down and take it up the ass for us if we pay you you know and, and it seems like because of this situation for a lot of places that's going to get worse too because when doors fly back open and you got three thousand people applying for the same damn job who are you going to pick? You don't know. You're just going to... You're not the employer. You're not the one that's going to be annoyed because you have to go through 3,000 applications or or skip all of them because you remember this guy from back or in the worse, day. Or worse, they put it through a computer, which just completely... Invalidates generally anything about your life other than what's in the data. And considering that a lot of people lie on their resumes, um, if you were going only on the data that was in a resume or in an application then you'd be intentionally hiring liars over people that were honest about the fact that they weren't as qualified as they pretended well, to be. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's a computer. It only thinks in numbers and algorithms and input-output. It's not going to look for the potential in a person, whether that person exudes qualities that could be refined and made into a good employee. Yep, and The that, computer doesn't care about that. Yeah, and that and those other things are going to be the exact reasons what are going to move us once the doors do fly back open to what's known as underemployment, which is a lot of people out there are going to be hired into positions where they're underutilized in their skill set. You're going to have people with uh, six-year college degrees, uh, flipping burgers and stocking shelves because they don't have a position. We already had this problem before the virus. Now, when everybody runs back outside, we're going to have this problem even worse where people are going to be have, be forced to apply for things that they're way overqualified for just to survive it all. And, and a lot of the people that will apply will be forced to take part-time positions where they're only making, you know, 15, 20, 25 hours a week. But 
the bills that they have necessitate them working almost double that, but their company will refuse to give it to them because they don't want to pay them benefits, don't want to pay them overtime, all don't these things. Don't want to pay whatever. And so all these companies are actively cutting back on overtime and full time. And if everybody was wiped, forced to go home, then when you come back, they could easily say, well, all these positions are being cut down so-and-so. We already had this board meeting over the phone while you guys were all gone. Yeah, and that leads back into cyclical unemployment, you know, we're cutting costs just because people don't have the money to spend anymore. Yep. So they just say, Which instead happened? of saying you're fired completely because they don't want you to collect unemployment, a lot of these businesses, they'll set you up so that you can't collect unemployment later. They'll intentionally have you let go in a certain way that invalidates it so that there's no allowance for an unemployment claim or whatever they do. There's tons of different examples. Temp companies do this because they say, well, you're still able to work. We just don't have any work for you. Which is a, a and major And that's issue. how they, all the temp companies get away with people, all the people that are working there never being paid unemployment no matter how long they've worked for any of the companies that they've worked for. Which is what we're going through. Like we look on the, our app for work, there's... Either There's, work we can't do, um, aren't qualified work that's too to do. too far away, you know, stuff that doesn't apply. And then stuff that's outside our skill set, whatever. But there's not much out there. And there's a lot of people looking. Aside from that, the, uh, they say that this is supposed to keep going through the whole month of April. So by the end of April... How bad is this going to be for how many people's savings, their credit cards, their personal finances? You know, as people keep buying food and they keep buying the things that they need. It's uncalculable. It, it truly is because they could it could easily skyrocket out of control and hit 20% unemployment easily. But it could also not be as bad. But it, it, it just depends. Yeah, it really depends on, on what is allowed to happen and it sounds like because the people that run our nation are busy arguing over who might be after who in what polls or who might get elected when or who might look good if a bill passes because they're going to keep arguing about that we're only going to see the worst outcome of this and that's more and more and more people drug into that whirlpool yes you and i are in that whirlpool right now but we're not the only ones no we're not and it's up to us as a society, as, you know, people to stand together. You know, I love this country, but I also hate it for the stupid things that it does. But I don't, I don't want to see any more suffering. I don't, this truly scares me. You know, if you asked me, could we be headed to the next Great Depression? I'd say yes, it's, it is a possibility. Yeah, because this is part of what started the last time. You had sickness going around and you had businesses laying people off because they didn't need them anymore and then those people didn't have no money so less money going into the economy so then they lay off more people the only differences between now and then is a we're all uh individually better technologically but that can change at any point in the day that uh your power bill gets too big because maybe your rent was forgiven but maybe the power company decided um we're just not charging you now you know I, no, I was... and all of a sudden you can't pay the the eight nine hundred dollar bill that they have for you and then your power goes off and then your internet goes off and then what well i don't know in all honesty i don't think twelve hundred dollars is going to be enough to see the people of this great nation out of this no i don't i don't believe it at all and and honestly um 
I think all the people in charge of this are about half retarded because they they make decisions based on whether it looks good or not for them and they're not they're calculating costs but they're not calculating whether or not what they're doing is going to have any real effect you know I understand the quarantine but if that's the case then we the people of this nation need support through this I don't know what other countries are doing but I know here in America we're not doing the greatest job that's that's all I can say Hey, some people are doing good. We got our we got our sponsors. We don't got much in the way of sponsors, but we got good sponsors. Yes, but we just do. like we may not have the most listeners at every station you've ever heard, but that's just because the people out there listening ain't sharing this with other people that should hear it. That's that's uh, something I'd always hope people do. Yeah, so you know, if you, you can't can, help us financially, you, you by listening, liking, commenting, sharing, subscribing emailing us that that is support yeah and just like the person who requested today's episode did you can uh send us whether it's a comment on on youtube or whether it's you email us at crossingwaffles at gmail.com you could send us things about what's going on in your world things you want said things you want heard from a perspective other than just one side or the other of the same paid off rich people who don't care about the people trapped in that vortex because they made it. So the rest of us can't rely on them to care about us. we got to care about each other or nobody cares about anybody and we're all doomed. So, I mean, it's just an option you choose. You either don't care at all and we're all doomed, but then at least admit it to yourself and say, you know what, I don't, I don't give a damn about the world. It could all burn tomorrow, I don't care. I, that's a valid perception if that's the one you have. If you've been beaten that far in life that you've just given up hope in humanity, hey, I'm not here to tell you you're wrong. But you shouldn't. There's but that's not the hope. only perspective either. There's always hope. There's people that are struggling, holding on to that last little grain of hope they got left, trying to, trying to hope that there's a way out of the terrible situation they're in. There's people with uh, lots of things but no hope for people. No belief that any good is going to come out of this. I believe that we we can all band together and get through this. You know, these are the same people. I believe people. we can. As, as frightening as it may be, I believe we can make it through this. We made it through the first one, and if it happens again, we, we're stronger than that. We can do it. We can get through it. All I'll say about this is the recent situation has not done us well. Um, it wasn't just because of the virus pandemic, that, that may be part of why employment may be hard to find and maybe part of why uh, I'm just kind of stuck living on what I have and that's about it, but that's not really the cause of what happened to me. What happened to me was more uh, what's filed under fractional unemployment simply because um, my business did something to me that was illegal in various ways, but they got away with doing it to me and basically fired me for standing up for my rights a couple days before everybody started talking about lockdowns and, and yeah, everything shutting down. Yeah, we talked about down. it in uh, more in-depth than temporary slavery. So yeah, it was, seen it, it was literally it like the Friday before all this stuff happened that I ended up with no job. And by the next week, everybody was starting to freak out about the pandemic. And so 
whether it's looking for aid, whether it's looking for a job, whether it's looking for help in any way, basically all that got shut down one by one by one by one by one. And now they're all kind of on hold. You can still go to a church and get food stuff at some of them. And the ones that still do you it... You should be able to still apply for benefits online. It may be difficult, but you should still be well, able that doesn't, to... Again, whether you apply or not doesn't mean anybody's filling out the application on the other end. If there's nobody in... If they didn't automate the work to do it at home, right? If the government, because they decided to shut down all these other things that we were talking about earlier, if they shut all those things down because nobody's doing the paperwork and they don't want the backlog to get any bigger then that means the paperwork's already done, still not being filed, because nobody's doing it. So, if they shut everything else down, then there won't be a method for a while until they get through their backlog to actually get on aid and, and get back on your feet that way. As far as the job market goes, we've already been discussing that through the majority of the episode. Businesses are probably going to get more stupid than they were before all this. I don't know. I think Because they be... have so many people applying that they're going to have so many pieces of paper to go through. If you think of it from I the perspective of an a, employer. I think they're going to be in the reverse situation. They're going to be so desperate for work, they're just going to apply as many people as they can initially. And then when they realize that they can't you know, support this because of the hit previously, they're going to have to start making cutbacks. Well, we'll see. You know? That's something That's something we won't know exactly until everything's back open and we see which businesses have collapsed underneath the fact that they were small businesses already, barely surviving, and have made absolutely no money of any kind during this whole thing. Um, the the mid-range businesses that have to make cutbacks because they aren't supported by a fucking trillion-dollar corporation. I agree. Only time will tell how bad this could potentially get but in the meantime best to just stay safe and you know hope for the best prepare for the worst there's nothing about our situation that screams safe to me (laughs) however for everybody out there please yeah stay safe um uh, we're gonna keep doing our best in the situation we can it's not gonna be a, a simple thing we're probably gonna end up on the street corner with a sign soon and that's just the truth I'm not worried about it. It sucks, but I'm not worried about it. And the reason being, we we have is, more. We want we have more to tell you. And without the phone plan, it makes it a bit more difficult to get out these thoughts and if information. It's not impossible. And at the same time, the the way that I look for work through my my temp agency, if I don't have the phone, we can't. I won't know when there's work, and I won't be able to accept it, it when jobs do start coming up. So I have no choice but to try and earn the money for the phone plan because if I don't have that, I'll never know when the jobs come back. To make more money so we don't have to stand out on a sign look like idiots. I mean, I'm not bashing anybody who's done it because I've done it. It's just, it's It's, not something you want to go out and do. Let's let's make that very clear. It's demoralizing. For anybody who's not one of the fakers that's out there living it up and then then comes out on the street corner just to make extra money to go do dumb shit with, uh, the people that are really desperate that are out there on the corner, they'll tell you there's a point where you have to almost throw your dignity down before you walk out there just to... Just to accept kindness from people on the street corner because you know how at least a portion of them are looking at you. Oh, yeah. And how they think of you. You can see it in their eyes when they drive by. You really get to see the duality of humanity, the good and the bad. 
You know, you get some people that look at you with disgust and hatred, and, and then you get some that look at you with compassion and sympathy, and, you know, they feel sorry for you. And these are all things that happened before the last time there was a depression. And it won't be the same as it was then because we're a much more built-up society. It's going to have a heavier impact on everything because our lives are so centered around money and how it transfers and what it buys and our consumerism and you know it you know when when consumption goes down and then the jobs go down because of it and more people end up without jobs. Yeah, that puts more people on the streets, it puts more people starving. When the government is allowed to continuously limit people and say, well, you're allowed unemployment, you're not. You're allowed food stamps, you're not. To residents of the same country, legal residents of the same country, that's wrong. Because if you're discriminating against people on what the government's, who the government's going to give aid to, then that's you basically saying you're worth more than you are in this well, country. You know, you might say to me, oh, we don't have the financial money to do that. But bullshit. If $7 trillion can just go missing, poof, gone, vanished, we have the fiscal capability to take care of the people that need to be taken care of. Yep. And it's always been that way. But it's more important for us to give trillions of dollars to big business, make sure it stays up, make sure the rich people at the top stay standing than it was for us to protect anybody at the bottom. You know, never forget, we're the ones holding up this shit. Yep, this whole thing fell apart because we couldn't, we all couldn't go out anywhere for a couple of months. And once it starts back up again, we need to realize as people that if we don't work together for the whole benefit of people, nobody is because the people at the top are not going to do that. Whether you like Trump or dislike Trump, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, no matter which side of that coin you're on, no matter your political beliefs or your religious beliefs or any of that, as long as we keep holding down the many to hold up the few, we're never going to get anywhere. We're just going to continuously perpetuate this cycle where we, our economy's booming and then all of a sudden it just collapses and just repeats and repeats, rinse, repeat. We, this is not sustainable, guys. It hurts you, it hurts me, it hurts the planet, it hurts everything. So, these are just wafflings, these are just tidbits of information and, and different viewpoints on them. I hope uh, everybody that's listening understands the points that we're trying to make because these are pitfalls that we all have looming over us. We won't know if this is what's going to happen to us until a good few to several months after we've all gone back outside. We won't know until, let's say, next winter when another virus hits and we've got a new problem. Have we even recovered from this one yet? Have people gotten their savings back? Have people gotten off the streets? Have people gotten back up from when we got knocked down? Or are we still down trying to get up? And then we get hit again, but worse. Because now more people are down, which means once more people are down, it's gonna be an even larger compounded number. So, or let's let's do a different scenario. Let's say there's, there's no virus next year, but there's, um, we're about to hit tornado season throughout the Midwest. I've oh, already heard stories about some bad tornadoes this year. What happens when a third of the Midwest gets torn apart by tornadoes? On top of the COVID-19. Hey, exactly. And this is, you know, a couple months down the line. Now you've got millions of people out in the street 
homes torn up. What are they supposed to do? And now the government's got to try to provide aid to those people, but they've just already didn't spend a bunch of money giving everybody aid. So then they're going to sit on their hands about aiding the people after the tornadoes. So you're going to have more people displaced. And this is the vortex I'm talking about. If we allow ourselves to fall into it, it will just keep getting worse. So ladies and gentlemen, when those doors fly open, it's up to each and every one of us to decide what our world's going to be after that. And if we just let the people at the top keep making the decisions like they have been, I'm going to guarantee you that the world that you walk into a year from now is not going to be a place that you wish it to be today. So think about that. Decide what part you play in whatever side you're on. And be ready. Be ready a couple weeks from now, a month from now, whenever, when, when this stuff stops. When, when life if tries, attempts to go back to normal. I don't know. 20, when, if, you know. We, I think we got the failed to download 2020 error. You know, <laughs> it didn't download right. We got to reinstall, uninstall, reinstall. I could be dead before my birthday. My birthday's in June. And at this <clears> point, <throat> I could be dead before I see my next birthday. Just because we won't be able to sustain living at all in the situation we're in like this. And it's sad, but it's true. And we're not alone. There's other people that live out here. But again, there's people giving money to the people flying the signs on the corner, helping them out. That's great. But it'll stop if people can't get out and make more money eventually. You know, another month down the road is how many more people who won't give out that dollar or that 50 cents or whatever that, to somebody is, that's struggling because they ain't got it to give. Exactly. That's what we're trying to and stress. And then let's say we get the doors fly open, but then something else happens another year from now. Or the, the And here we are again, but now nobody's got no money to give anywhere because we all just gave it all away last time or panic spent it. Or the corporations can't, you know, or, finance the employees. They don't see a necessity for it. Yeah, for it could People be a million reasons that could drag really, us back down into this. But it's a, it's a cliff we're looming over right now. This, this virus wasn't the catalyst for this. It just was the wind that blew the flame on a powder keg and just set this whole thing ablaze because people have been predicting this kind of collapse over one thing or another for decades. Because it's been said that the way we were living life was unsustainable, not just for our planet, but for ourselves. And there are things that we could do to fix it. No matter how many scientists have been held down, no matter how many uh, political figures and, and, and uh, different figures have been held down in speaking out about this, it is possible. It, it may is. be complicated, it may be difficult, it may require so many revisions and so many laws that it's almost staggering, but that doesn't make it impossible. If it's impossible, then we all should just roll up like the little bugs, little roly-poly bugs. Just roll up and die. But if we're not going to roll up and die, then we need to get up and fight instead. Because you either have hope for humanity's future, or you just accept that humanity's going to die. And if you're ready to just accept everybody else's death, you really shouldn't have an influence on whether or not we make it through this. So, with all those things being said in our wonderful discussion about what could lead each and every one of us into the next Great Depression that they talk about in history books for hundreds of years to come. Oh, they'll be talking about it for quite some time. 
depending on our I wonder, actions. I wonder how that label it will it be called the dumbest depression. I don't fucking know. I mean, because it's not know. very great. I'm just, as depressions go, this isn't very great. This doesn't feel great to me. This is like the day that we we fell apart. We just lost our minds and said. Fuck. I don't know. The last one kind of the first one snuck up on us. This one we we knew. Yeah, we knew. We knew. We knew anything could set this thing ablaze, and yet we were like. So many economists meh. have fought about these same things for so long. Like, does anybody remember the dot com bubble, the housing bubble? You know, we all predicted that that could be it, but no, 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 a little invisible virus came along and taught us all a lesson. It's like, oh, you think houses are bad. It's like, no, I can blow up on you in a way that makes the housing bubble look like it nothing. Look like drops in a bucket. Drops in a bucket. Jeez. But anyway, this has been Crossing and Waffles. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. And, and good luck crossing the spaces between. <laughs>